When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Ah, a very good morning, g'day. Happy Tuesday to you. Thanks for strapping up the wrist with me for the next three hours. Adam Reynolds, is he the best Broncos recruit ever? 13-13-55-0467-736-736. The argument is building that he is. He could be, especially after Kevy's King of Brisbane line. He's had a huge impact on us. Um, we've had some, some really good um, imports come into the club from, you know, from the early days right through, and he's up there with them. Uh, you know, I guess the proof will be in the pudding when he does land. Uh, he... he He's worked with all of our players. He just brings everyone into the game. That's what I liked about him tonight. And defensively, it's probably his best defensive game as well, given that South Sydney's, that, that left edge of theirs is quite lethal. So, um, yeah, very good. You know, we brought him uh, two years ago to be our captain and to lead this side, um, be our coach on the field, be all those things that the good number sevens do and the great number sevens. And he's doing that for us. We've just got to get him to do it for another 10 more weeks and he will be the king of Brisbane. There we go, Kevin Walters, after the win over South on the weekend. The King of Brisbane, Adam Reynolds, is he there or is there someone else who wears that crown for the Broncos? 13-13-55. I reckon there is someone else. I'll let you know who shortly. But Adam Reynolds, is he the best Broncos recruit ever? Who I'm thinking about laid the foundations for the Broncos' aura. One that is just starting to return because, let's be fair, that aura has been lost at Red Hill over the last uh, few seasons. Uh, It's an aura that Corey Parker thrived in, and we're going to chat to him shortly. It'll be interesting to get his take on the Broncos. Since 1988, who has been their best buy ever? 13 13 55 0467 736 736. And if it's not Adam Reynolds, who is it and why? Uh, the Broncos face the Chooks Thursday night at the Gabba. Without Marty Kapow, is he lucky just to get the three weeks? Big Martin, that knee lifting was, well, it could have been, it could have been ordinary. It could have been awful. Campbell Graham, if it had hit him any higher in the chin, in the chest, it could have been a lot worse for Marty Topa'au. But we see that he's getting three weeks. I know Trevor Gilmeister last night on 7 News said, just take the three weeks and run with it, Marty. Very lucky indeed. Is he lucky just to get that? Your thoughts coming up. Um, the, the Broncos and the Roosters, marquee game in the past. It's always been a grudge match, hasn't it? It's on at the same time as the Matildas will be playing Nigeria in front of a sold-out cauldron. Women's Soccer World Cup. I tell you what, this is a tournament that is taking this country by storm. Have you been wrapped up in one of them? Have you been one of those wrapped up in it? Have you been to, I mean, here in Brisbane, what have we had? England and Haiti. Were you part of the 44,000 there? 
Are you going to the Matildas Thursday night? Um, what what led you to buy the ticket? Is it the fact it's just a, a one-off, once-in-a-lifetime event? Is it something more than that? 13, 13, 55, 0, 4, 6, 7, 7, 3, 6. As I said, the Broncos and Matildas going head-to-head on Thursday night here in Brisbane. Interesting to read Crash Craddock and the Courier-Mail today. He, he didn't miss. He's had a mad shot at the NRL. He said, not only have the Broncos have had to vacate their home ground Suncorp Stadium during the Women's World Cup, but they'll lose to the Matildas in the box office stakes as well Thursday night. In a scheduled clash which is either naive, arrogant, or unduly dismissive. The NRL's programmed the Broncos Thursday night match against the Roosters at the Gabba in direct competition with the Matildas. It's sold out against Nigeria, and it's just a few k's away at Suncorp Stadium. So which is it? Is, is Crash on the money here? Is it naive? Is it arrogant by the NRL? Unduly dismissive. He hasn't missed, has he? Crash Craddock. Look, I get the NRL has to run to the beat of their own drum. And we've spoken about this, you and I, in the past, about scheduling clashes when it comes up against the AFL or perhaps even the rugby. But this is a once-in-a-lifetime event, the FIFA Women's World Cup in this country. Surely they look outside NRL space here and see what else is in the vicinity, see what else they're up against. Schedule Broncos Roosters Friday night. You'd be happy with that, wouldn't you? Then you can go to both. You can go to the Matildas and, and to see the Broncos. The Lions aren't playing at the Gabba this weekend. They're down the road, Q clash. So that scheduling wouldn't have clashed. Have the NRL misread the room here? Have they absolutely missed a beat? Are you one that would have loved to have gone to the Broncos and Roosters and the Matildas? Are you going to the Matildas? World Cup. I'm interested to get your take on this and where it sits for you in the sporting landscape, but also the attraction here. Is it because your son and daughter are involved in football, in soccer? If you were part of that 44,000 to England, Haiti, the other night at Suncorp, why did you go? Are you going to France, Brazil? Are you going to Ireland, Nigeria? These are all questions I'd love you to answer today because I want to take your pulses. I want to get the feel for it in the city. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Um, Plenty to talk about too regarding the Matildas. Sam Kerr and her calf injury. There are fresh concerns, fresh doubt over the severity of that. Raised by one of her teammates yesterday. We'll get into that over the next three hours as well. And Katrina Gorey, Brisbane Raw player, uh, midfielder, uh, plays back a bit in defence as well. And she is a mum to Harper, two-year-old Harper. She spoke yesterday and responded to, well, what's been labelled by some as sexist commentary from the Matildas Ireland match last week. For me, it couldn't be any further from the truth or for what it was. David Bashir has suffered a social media storm by some in our society, labelling his comments around Katrina Gorey and the fact that she is, well, what did he say? She hasn't, motherhood hasn't blunted her competitive streak. I think David Bashir was spot on. And I'd like to think that any parent would agree with me. We'll get stuck into that as the morning winds on. There's so much to sink our teeth into it as well. Uh, The urn returns. We have got the ashes. We've kept the ashes. We've retained it, but we haven't won it. 
Fifth test at the Oval starts Thursday. Cannot wait for this. Pat Cummins has come under a hell of a lot of criticism. I'm one of them. I don't understand the tactics. I don't understand pushing everyone back onto the boundary. I did to start with when Basball was flying and we were trying to catch them out on the boundary. But the tactics of pushing everyone back from the start, not setting an attacking field, it's beyond me. Also, I know plenty of chat around the Poms whinging as well. We'll get into that. What about the BBC? The BBC. There's a headline on the BBC website to do with Manchester and rain. I'll bring that to you this morning. It is unbelievable what they have written. It just boggles the mind how someone would actually let that go. It's all about those whinging Poms. I am going to be speaking to Jimmy Pearson. Yeah, Queenslander, a Brisbane Heat captain as well. He was in the dressing rooms with the Australians, uh, Lords, uh, uh, Headingley, and at Old Trafford. I want to get his take on what was being said when it came to those baseball tactics. He can give us an insight into this, but also uh, some of the pressures now regarding selection coming into this fifth test, because I know it's a short turnaround. Pat Cummins, there is questions not only about his captaincy, but does he take his spot in this fifth test? Trent Copeland raised it this morning. Uh, he was doing breakfast with Vossi uh, down on our Sydney station. I want to get his take on it, as in listen to what he had to say. And he said, look, Pat Cummins, does he play this fifth test considering his bowling figures were pretty ordinary? In fact, it was one of the worst tests Pat Cummins had suffered as a bowler. One for 129. Do we need to give him a spell for this fifth test now that the urn's retained? If you were a selector, what changes would you make? Does Cameron Green start or do you have to bring back a spinner? Again, all these tactics, Jimmy Pearson coming up uh, after uh, the news at 11 as well. We'll talk AFL with Daryl White. The Lions, they have lost Will Ashcroft. Is at the end of their, it's the end of his season, but can the Lions survive? Of course they can. They've got plenty of depth, but who comes in? Uh, and the Bledisloe Cup is on this Saturday. Any idea where? Auckland? Sydney? Melbourne, Dunedin, Brisbane. Well, it's not a Brisbane because we know Suncorp is uh, host to the Women's World Cup. Did you know there was a Bledders on this Saturday? One of the great sporting events in this country, Australia-New Zealand, that trans-Tasman rivalry. It's crept up. We are playing a Bledisloe Cup this Saturday. Morgan Tiranui, former Wallaby, uh, now commentator, will get his take on that. What needs to change because there's only three more tests until the World Cup. Are the Wallabies on a hiding for nothing? Plenty to sink our teeth into, as I said, over the next three hours. But before we do that, we will do this. And now, time for Ben's Snap Judgment. 9.14 this Tuesday morning. Adam Reynolds, the best Broncos recruit ever. Right? 13-13-55. And if not, who is? The current captain is making a compelling case. He has steered Brisbane to the top of the ladder. He's uh, got them to being second favourite in the premiership race behind Penrith. And most importantly, he's taught them how to win again. So far, the Broncos have won 14 games this season. There's five to go. So that's a possible 19 wins for the year. 18 has been their record. In the past, Pete Bedell dove into this uh, yesterday in the Crew Mail. Pointed it out that four Brisbane teams have hit that magical 18 mark, 
18 wins of the season. Three of those teams went on to win premierships, 92, 98, and 2000. The fourth team to do it was in 2011 under Anthony Griffin. They made the prelim final, and that was the year, remember, that Lockie broke his cheekbone, and they played that prelim final against Manly without Darren Lockyer. Uh, Matt Gillett was at 5'8 for that. There's the history lesson. 18 has been the magical mark, 14 so far this season. So if the former Souths captain and premiership winner breaks the 17-year premiership drought for the Broncos, does that make him the best signing in Brisbane's 35-year history? 13-13-55-0467-736-736. A man who knows a thing or two about winning premierships, he's won six of them, Cooper Cronk. This is his thoughts on Adam Reynolds. Adam Reynolds is the smartest player we have in our competition. He's been sensational by He's really turned the fortunes of that football club around with his smarts, intelligence, able to improve players around. And if you want to be put in the likes of Talis and Lazarus in terms of you know, being able to be recruited to the Brisbane Broncos from outside the system to deliver... Well, if Adam Reynolds can deliver yeah. a premiership this year, then he puts himself in that ballpark. But... Yeah, it puts himself in that conversation, doesn't it? He's up there right now. Uh, but he has got fair competition. I see the phones lighting up now, which is brilliant, and we'll get to your calls in just a moment. But I want to put a few well, a few options to you, a few thoughts in mind too. You, you go back to 1988, and can we call them recruits? I suppose we can. You have a look at the king, Wally Lewis. He's got to be up there in the conversation of one of the best recruits ever in Broncos history. He was one of the first. But you've got to remember, he he wasn't able to win a title. In fact, he didn't even make the finals with Brisbane. Alfie in 88, well, he made the finals plenty of times. He captained the club as well, won four grand finals. Then you go to the current coach. Surely he's in the conversation, isn't he? Kevy. 1990, he came from Canberra, and it was the first time the Broncos had made the finals. They made a prelim, and ironically, they were taken out by the Raiders, the team in which Kevy had just come from. So is there a case to say that Kevin Walters is the best ever Broncos recruit? 13, 13, 55, they're the digits you need. All right, if it's not Kevy, it's not the King. If it's not Renault, then who? Everyone I've listed so far has been a playmaker, a half or five-eighth. They had success at the Broncos, but there was something that was missing. And that something was grunt. That's right. You can be the best half, five, eight in the world, but unless your team is going forward, you're not doing anything. Welcome to the conversation, Glenn Lazarus. There is an argument that he should be the next immortal. He's got a hell of a resume too. Six grand final wins, six premierships, and with three different teams. No other player in the history of rugby league in the NRL has done that. He's the only person to win premierships at three different clubs. He played for Australia. He played Origin, and he dominated. Let's have a look at those three teams that he won titles with. Broncos, Raiders, Storm. They're all dynasty teams, aren't they? Dynasty clubs, all built off the back of an international prop, the best go forward in the game. And isn't that what rugby league's about, going forward? There were none better than Lazo. 92, he came to the Broncos. Instant success. That's when they won the first of their premierships, went back-to-back in 93. He also won a Super League one in 97. You have a look at some numbers. Let's crunch them. 118 games for the Broncos, Glenn Lazarus, the most of the three clubs. He only lost 29 of those games. 
118 for Brisbane, and he only lost 29. He had a winning percentage of Brisbane of 73.7%. Let's call it 75%. So three quarters of the games he played for Brisbane, he won. And it could have been higher. 94, it was an ordinary year for Brisbane. And for Lazo, it was skewed because he only won seven games of the games he played. He, he had an interrupted year, 55%. So that drags that average down. It could have been near 80. So the brick with eyes. Is he Brisbane's best buy ever? Surely. He's got to be in the grand final, doesn't he? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Um, Paddy mentioned it before, Webby and Gilly last night on 7 News. They were discussing this same thing. And they both agreed, yeah, Lazo was the one for them. Webby and Gilly. Well, Webby's not a recruit. He came in through the system. But Gilly, here we go. Now we're talking. He'd be my pick. And if not the best, he's got to be in the top three. With Lazo being in the grand final, maybe Gilly's up there with him and maybe soon Adam Reynolds. And here's why. In 1991, he arrives from the Roosters. Wayne Bennett bought him for one reason and one reason only. And his words, Gilly, I want you to show this team how to train hard, how to tackle hard, how to win hard. Play tough, those one percenters. Put some fear into the opposition. Give them the hard edge, that hard edge that they were missing. He wanted the axe to sharpen them up. And he spent a year doing that in 1991, 92. They finally get those dividends paid, winning a premiership. Bang, bang, two titles off the back of that hard work. Lazay comes in in 92, and he just picks up where the axe has laid that foundation. The hard work had already been done. No, that is discounting Lazo a bit. But Trevor Gilmeister, one of the best buys and underrated buys, I think, for Brisbane. That's why Gilly, to me, is one of the Broncos' best buys ever. 13-13-55. Over to you. Who has been Brisbane's best recruit and why? Uh, Signa Power Bank up for grabs for our best uh, caller of the day, which is outstanding. So, you know, we've put this poll on social media as well. Uh, we've put it on Twitter. Actually, do we call it Twitter anymore? Because the bird's gone. It's called X. Is that right? Waking up this morning with an X. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's... No one wants to do that. All right, 21 minutes past nine before I get myself into trouble. Over to you. 13 13 Who has been the Broncos' best ever buy? Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Ah, oh, Slam and Sam, quick on the trigger. Pick another brick in the wall because there is a bit of love for the brick with eyes. George out at Logan Village, a morning to you, mate. He said, Ben, the brick with eyes was a pretty big recruit. But what about the inaugural coach, Wayne Bennett? I tell you what, that's not a bad one, George. Is he the Broncos' best ever recruit? 
coming from Canberra. 131355-0467-736-736. Their input is fantastic. The text line is lighting up. We'll get to them. And so are the callers. Bill, get to you shortly. But we have a man who, well, has been a, I guess, a recipient from the foundation that has been laid by some of the best recruits of all time. And he is right now commentating on perhaps the new king of Brisbane, Adam Reynolds. I'll speak none other than Corey Parker uh, from Fox Sports. Cos, a very good morning to you. Hey, Benny. How are you, mate? Very well. As a Broncos fan growing up, a kid, tell me in the 35 years the Broncos have been in existence, who has been their best ever recruit? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, you look at some of the players that have played for the Brisbane Broncos over a number of years and... um, yeah, there has been some great recruits. I mean, you mentioned the brick with eyes, Glenn Lazarus. He came to the club and uh, had instant success. Uh, um, you know, I, I suppose at the end of the day, that's what you are um, you know, engaged on, aren't you? Um, you know, yeah. if you're able to bring success with you. Now, um, Adam Reynolds, you know, is, is certainly at the top of that tree. However, um, they're still yet to have that ultimate, uh, you know, trophy at the end of the year. Now, if Adam Reynolds is able to, you know, orchestrate a, a grand final victory for the Brisbane Broncos, well, absolutely he goes to the top of the tree, in my opinion, based on what, uh, from where the Broncos were to where they are right now. And if you can top that off with a, a premiership, well, yeah, he'll uh, he'll let himself in amongst those names for sure. Corey, there's a lot of love coming through for the Raging Bull too. Gus has said, Ben, don't know if he's the best, but definitely in the conversation is the Raging Bull, Gordon Tallis. Uh, the Coolum Goat Farmer has jumped in. He said the Raging Bull. So there, there is a lot of love for Gordy. And that's yeah. someone that, you know, you've been involved with at the club. And it's, I mean, there's so many factors when you're looking at this, the best recruit. It's about what they bring to the club, but also the legacy they leave and pass on, isn't that's- it? That's yeah, that you're spot on there. I mean, what they bring to the club, and, and Gordy's a great example. I mean, I was, you know, he was, I was captain by Gordy uh, when he came to the club. Um, he, you know, he brought a different side, I suppose. He brought that uh, that resilience, that hard edge, that tough style of play. Um, but you're spot on in regards to the legacy you leave, um, and, and that's for every player. Um, but um, particularly the some of the players that. Have been recruited to the club. Um, yeah, Michael Devere was another one. He, you know, he was uh, one of those players. You ultimate team man. He was, uh, you know, from south of the border. He wrote Wayne a letter to come. He wanted to come and play for the Broncos. And in the end of that, at the end of the day, you know, he was able to enjoy some, you know, some success along the way. Um, you know, Chris John's another one. So, uh, you, you know, there's there's a stack of players, and yeah. you go, you start to go through them. It's hard to put a, you know, put who's at the top of the tree. Gordy obviously captained the club to a uh, grand final victory. Uh, so, you know, he obviously being one of the club c- captains has certainly held that trophy at the top step. Uh, and you know, ultimately, in all currencies of sport, you you are gauged on success, and the ultimate success in our game is a premiership. So. The Broncos at the moment, they're uh, they're sitting in a really, really good spot. Uh, Adam Reynolds is playing a really great brand of football and his leadership is uh, is certainly paying dividends. But um, I go back to what I said, you, you get gauged on um, being able to uh, provide success, which they've had this year, but the ultimate success is winning a premiership. Uh, Corey, I've got Vanessa standing by to do the news. We will do that very shortly. But while, while, while she's giving us the news hit, I want you to chew on this one. My argument is exactly down that path, but I go back before Gordy and even before Lazo because a year before Lazo arrived, the Axe 
turned up to to sharpen yeah. up this side, to put some fear factor into, but also to 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 train hard, to play hard, and it's the stuff that we don't see. And and they're the words from from Wayne Bennett that I, that I've heard from Gilly himself. He, he basically said Wayne called me in and and said, you know, I, I just want you to bring that hard edge. I want you to teach these blokes how to train hard. And and, and it's not that they weren't, but it's just to give that one percent. So I'm yep. going to leave that yep. stewing on stewing on that, but also. How that has carried down from Gilly to the Axe, to Petro, to Webby, to to you and what was uh, passed on. Throw Andrew G into that mix as well. Uh, it is 9.32. Corey Parker, my guest this morning. We are talking the Broncos' best ever recruit. We'll talk about the Broncos and Chooks straight after Vanessa's news hit. I had to ask Sam, what the hell was that? So b- Bulls on Parade, Rage Against the Machine? Okay, Raging Bull. I get it. All right. Wow, we are going obscure here this morning on SENQ. 13, 13 55. The question to you this morning, who is the Broncos' best recruit of all time? Uh, stewing on that, and my thoughts uh, is Corey Parker. Uh, Cosa, Gilly, is he in the conversation for you? Yeah, without doubt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, you, you sort of... You got to think of where the club was when the, before the person or, or the recruit or recruits turned up, yeah. um, and, and Gilly was able to deliver um, or, or be part of of the team that delivered back to back premierships in 92, uh, 93. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so you, you got to say that yeah, he was uh, you know well and truly in the conversation because of what it, you know because of the style of play. And you mentioned just before the news break that you know Gilly was brought to the club for. Um, not only what he brings on the field, but more importantly, what he brings off the field, and, and you know, between uh, game day and the training preparation, and and that's ultimately where, um, you know, some of the the best assets of these players come. Um, well, you know, Gordy for mine, looking back, you know, just with my relationship with Gordy on the field, he brought that that fear factor. He brought that, he instilled that within the team. Um, but off the field, he, he had a real care about you know his teammates around him. Um, Adam Reynolds is obviously a talking point. Um, and, you know, what he's able to bring off the field, particularly with a younger group, and this young group, you only, only got to remember a couple of years ago, Benny, that, you know, they were, they were lagging at the bottom end of the, the competition. And a fair few of these younger players endured a lot of scars along the way. Um, they always had talent. They always had ability. But um, they just didn't have, I suppose, that older statesman or that older head that was able to reassure them that everything was going to be okay. You can play to your strengths and that being, you know, that sort of unpredictability and that, you know, flair and talent that we see. But um, when things start to go a little skew if, I'll just make sure that we just get ourselves back on track with a nice kick or an early play here and there. And off the back of that, um, it's you know, they've just come leaps and bounds. So uh, Adam Reynolds, in regards to his nous as a footballer and what he's able to do on the field, but as I said there, you know, what he's able to instill with those younger players off the field is uh, is invaluable. Corey Parker, my guest this morning, 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Uh, text line lighting up. We'll get to your calls on that shortly. Cosa, uh, Thursday night, Broncos and Roosters at at the Gabba. So we see another mm. game there. Um, this is normally a grudge match. I can't get a read on it except for the Broncos are flying and should account for the Roosters. Although they put 30 on the Titans within a blink. 
over the weekend, the Roosters. So their their season has been so up and down. What's your read? Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Um, I, I did the game, uh, the Roosters and the Titans, and, and you're spot on. They were superb in that first half, and they put 30 on them, and as you mentioned, in a blink of an eye. Um, and, and it was a performance that a lot of people have been waiting for. I mean, up until that point, the Roosters had a real inability to score points, um, which is unheard of given some of the stars in their team, mm. which does make them a little bit dangerous, particularly coming up against the Broncos, where, as you just touched on there, Broncos are flying, everyone's happy, uh, and everyone gives the Bron- you know, they come in as red-hot favourites. So no one gives the Roosters a chance, which, for my opinion, makes them a little bit dangerous because they do have some stars still there. They've got a lot of confidence now. They've got a fit team in regards to who, who they're going to play against Broncos. so um, And traditionally, it, it is a bit of a grudge match. Two big powerhouse clubs mm-hmm. going at it. Um, and uh, it should be a great contest. I just want to see Brisbane continually sharpen the axe in regards to their run into September, their run into the semifinals. Because, you know, it's a, it's a memory that maybe some people have forgotten about, but this time last year, they were sitting mm. fourth spot with six weeks to go, and we all know what sort of transpired off the back of that. They're a completely different side to what we saw last year, so I want to see, see them really sharpen the axe. Well, this is where we sit right now. Six weeks to go, five games for the Broncos because they've got a buy-in there too. Just on the Roosters, um, yeah, they won that first half 30-0, but they lost the second half to the Titans 18-6. So the momentum mm. that they may carry into this game, I know they've based themselves in Queensland. They haven't gone home, so they've, yeah. they've been on a mini camp. And I'm just looking at the Broncos' run. So this is, it's a, to your point, Corey, about sharpening the axe. Well, they've got the Roosters this weekend. Next round, it is a local derby in Townsville. The Cowboys for lying. So this is going to be one of the matches of the year. Broncos, Cowboys, yes. they hit then Parramatta, have a week off. Raiders and then the Storm to bring it home. So all tough tests, all teams that are in the top eight right now. Absolutely. I mean, there's outside no bigger of the roo- test. Outside of the Roosters this week. Yeah, yeah correct. Well, next week, um, if you just forecast, you, you know, you look forward to next week up against the Cowboys, who are currently, statistically, over the last five weeks, the form team of the competition. There's no better team statistically than the, than the Cowboys. So that makes for an almighty uh, contest between the Broncos and the Cowboys. And you've got the Parramatta Eels, who'll be desperate to hang in there on the top eight. Uh, they played in the grand final last year, the Eels, so uh, they'll be no slouch. They'll have their, some of their players back, so that'll be a big contest. And then you talk about the, you know, the buy, and then you talk about the Melbourne Storm. Well, the Broncos have got a horrible, a horrible run in terms of win-loss against the Melbourne Storm at Suncorp Stadium. So they finish uh, with the Storm before semi-finals. So um, still a fair bit to play out for this season, and a fair bit to unfold. And you only got to see what a week does do in rugby league. You talk about suspensions, you talk about uh, you know, injuries and the like. So every team's obviously going to face this challenge over the next six weeks. Um, but the Broncos can only look as far as they can see, and that is for the Roosters on Thursday night at the Gabba. Cosa, always a pleasure, mate. We will chat again soon. Corey Parker, former Bronco, now with uh, Fox Sports, and I reckon soon to be part of the SEN family too, which is going to be fantastic stuff for everyone involved. Um, plenty to digest there. Broncos, tough run home when it comes to finishing the season, but will they be doing it with their best ever recruit? 13-13-55-0467-736-736. It made Bill pick up the phone. Bill, good morning to you. Hello, mate. Thank you for your patience. Broncos' best ever recruit. Uh, uh, that's okay. 
well, uh, I was thinking out-of-towners. Uh, mm. I was thinking Chris Johns and Terry Madison. Oh, yeah. Do you see two blues as well, the Blues Brothers. Yeah, well, uh, Chris Johns brought professionalism to that back line. Um, and Terry Madison was a cast-off from Eastern Suburbs and came to Brisbane and formed a pretty good combination with Kevin Walters and Alan Langer. Yeah, at the back of the scrum and, there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, they uh, scored their fair share of tries. So I'm saying those two, just in those uh, years where they went through that golden period. Bill, not a bad shout. We'll put them on the list. Is Bill got it right? Thank you for the call, mate. You are in the draw for uh, the Signa Power Bank, which you'll never, ever have to go without losing power on your iPad or your iPhone, whatever it may be. 13, 13, 55, they're the digits you need. 0467 736 736 if you want to text through or can only text through. Uh, we are doing it this morning. All thanks to Macca's proud sponsors of the Little Legends. Supporting grassroots sport here in Queensland. Uh, plenty chat around uh, our cricket team and the captain, as always. Pat comes, he can't escape headlines, can he? We just heard that from Vanessa in the news as well. Uh, my take on that straight after this. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Ah, uh, yes, Slam and Sam with a preemptive strike, working nine to five. Working mums, I'm going to get into that just very shortly. Hang on, what, isn't this a sports station? Yeah, exactly, and it's to do around Matildas and Katrina Gorry. I cannot believe the furor over David Bashir's comments coming out of the first match between the Matildas and Isla. We'll get stuck into that very shortly. I need to let you know about the quiz. That's right, every Tuesday at 11 a.m., so in an hour's time we'll be doing this. Are you a quiz whiz? Remember how it works, last man standing when it comes to 10 questions. If you can answer the 10th question correctly, you will be getting a double to go see the Titans and Cowboys. Slug it out at Ravina this weekend. Cannot wait for that. It's going to be an epic Queensland battle as always. Uh, the number you need in an hour's time, 13, 13, 55. So over the next hour, I'm going to give you some answers to the quiz. I'm not going to tell you which questions they apply to, but they will be answered. So get the pen and paper ready, take them down. In fact, the first answer you need is 2002. 2002. Right. Good. We'll bring you some more of those before 11 o'clock. Uh, talking to Daryl White, former Lions Dutch Triple Premiership winner along the way too because they are in the box seat to be taking uh, the competition by storm. They've taken down the Premiers over the weekend, but they did lose Will Ashcroft along the way. How much will it affect their season? Who comes in to replace him? Uh, Lions fans, I know it's one of the biggest questions being asked at the moment. And we're going to talk some Bledisloe Cup because, that's right, this weekend we are playing New Zealand in one of Australian sports' biggest rivalries. There's a Bledisloe Cup on. It's at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, the MCG. Uh, what hope the Aussies? Taniella Tupo's back. Uh, speak to a former Wallaby Morgan Tiranui on that very shortly. Uh, but, look, in the Matildas in the World Cup, and I've been asking you this morning, have you been to the Women's World Cup? I mean, there were 44,500 at Suncorp Stadium for England and Haiti. 
So you can't say you're being patriotic by supporting the Matildas here. This was a game not even involving Australia. I know there's a lot of expats uh, from uh, England here, and they do bring their own crowd touring. But 44,500, that was extraordinary. That, that, was, that, that blew away my expectations. Were you surprised by that? And more importantly, were you part of the crowd? Why? Why did you go buy a ticket to go see England and Haiti? And would you do that in any other sport? Is it the sense of occasion? Is it the event itself? A once-in-a-lifetime event. We are getting a FIFA World Cup here in this country. Is that why you went? Have you got tickets to the games coming up? France, Brazil, that's going to be a belter. And then Ireland, Nigeria. Of course, the Matildas Thursday night, that's sold out. Have you got those tickets? I mean, that's easy, an easy understand to why you'd be getting Matilda tickets. But what about the others? World Cup fever. Has it gripped you? Why? Is your son or daughter play the sport? Uh, is it just the curiosity factor? I'd love to get your pulse on this. 13, 13, 55, 04, uh, 6, 7, 736, 736. I hesitated there for a moment because I've been trying to think of how to bite my tongue on this next topic of conversation. And it is to do around the Women's World Cup and the comments, which I think were spot on by David Bashir, yet some have decided to take umbrage with it, so much so that I I see a headline today in the Courier Mail saying, Katrina Gorry responds to sexist comments in the Fair Dink Department. Leave me alone. If you're not across this, David Bashir, who was calling the Matildas match for Channel 7, and a man who I've known for the best part of 30 years, uh, just in the sporting game, a man who's done a lot for not only football in this country, but, but women's sport. He's a champion of it. Now, he said a comment, which I think was fair, where he said, Katrina Gorry, it doesn't look like motherhood has, com- has blunted her competitive nature. Well, social media, didn't they blow up? Calling it sexist. H- how is describing motherhood sexist? I mean, it's only, well, motherhood, we know it's only one sex that can actually have that title put to them. That, that's, that's a given. But my take on it is that as a parent, mother, father, you have to be selfless. You give up stuff for your kids. That's what parenting is about. But professional sport is the complete opposite. You have to be selfish. You have to have the blinkers on to be at the top of your game. You have to shut out all other distractions, everything else that's going on in life. You've got to have a balance, sure. But when you're in the game, in the zone, you have to make sure that everything else has shut out. You have to be selfish. That's just a given. So being a parent, selfless, being a professional athlete, selfish, they are at the direct opposite. They are combative opposites. So to actually get that balance right, that's a big deal. Now, you can talk about Fathers playing professional sport, men in football, men in cricket, whatever it may be. But any father can tell you that being a dad, being a mum is completely different. Being a working mum is completely different. Being a working dad is completely different. There is always guilt associated with this. And I'm happy to have that debate. Anyone who goes to work to leave their kids, be it in daycare, be it with grandparents, uh, dropping them at school, not being there for school pickup, there is a guilt associated with it. 
See? Tell me I'm wrong. So, motherhood, not blunting her competitive spirit, that is a fair comment every day of the week. Tell me working mums, working dads, going back to work after having a child, it's a hard thing to do. There's guilt associated with it too. You want to be the best parent possible. And you do that by going to work to earn money, to pay the mortgage, to put food on the table. But also it does take you away from spending time with your kids. And your perspective changes. In life, your perspective changes. Everything does when it comes to kids. So to say that motherhood hasn't blunted her professionalism, and he, he had to say motherhood because she's a mum. If he was talking about a male footballer, he could say the same thing about fatherhood, not blunting the competitive spirit. Because your perspective does change. I think it was a fair comment every day of the week and twice on Sunday. The outrage manufactured, yet it's been picked up and run with. And it's something that Katrina Gorey had to answer in a media conference yesterday. Couldn't believe it, but she handled it so, so well. I've heard about it. Um, I don't know. I don't take things like that too personally. I don't really look at it as, it, as you know, a, a negative compliment or whatever. I just, yeah, I don't really look at, at things like that. But, yeah, I can see how it got taken the wrong way. At the end of the day, I'm sure he probably didn't mean it in kind of a negative way. Sometimes things just come out um, in, in the wrong way. But, you know, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. She didn't take offence to it. So why should anyone else? If you're offended by that, then to me, you're offended by any parent who is doing their job. And that's all it is. Competitive instincts, be it whatever you do, playing professional sport, working in your career, you name it. Yeah, they change when you have kids. That's human nature, or at least it should be. 13, 13, 55, 0, 4, 6, 7, 7, 3, 6, 7, 3, 6. Uh, Let's go to the open line. Whoa, here we've got a few here. Jamie's out at Kamira. Jamie, morning to you. Yeah, how you going, mate? Very well. Are oh, you a part of the 44,500 at the England game? Yeah, mate. Yeah, so when, I, when, the, when the tickets went on sale, I tried to get the Aussie tickets for this Thursday, but yeah. they obviously sold out quick, so I got the England 80, and it's just... So just to be there, mate, like, who knows when this is going to happen again, if it's if it ever going to happen again. So, you know, so that's why it was good to get there. Yeah, once-in-a-lifetime event, yeah, curiosity just, factor. Yeah. Oh, mate. Yeah, and I would have, like, because I know tickets went on sale again this, like, last week for the Aussie game, but, yeah, I'm a Bronco member, so I've got to, I'm going to the Broncos this week. But I tell you now, I'll, have, I'll be watching my phone while I'm watching the football at the... Had together on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 good, no, good stuff, Jamie. And I reckon there'll be a few like that. Do you, do you reckon just on that? Do you reckon the NRL made a blue? Do you reckon they, they they could have seen what it was exactly what you said a once in a lifetime event and perhaps scheduled the Roosters and Broncos on a different day in Brisbane? No, I saw. I heard you just talking about this morning. Even the breakfast radio there, like the scheduling for the NRL. So, I, I think it's just a mistake. To be honest, like Hill said this morning, they've put the they probably put the Australia game on. Oh, Jamie, the line the lines the lines dusty there, and I think you may have dropped out. But uh, I guess he's saying, from what I can gather, it was well the NRL scheduling came out. Well, you know what? But the World Cup schedule's been in there for a long time as well. They know the Matildas were, were playing at this time of year. I'll 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 I'll, I'll get my. I'll get my date straight on b- about what came out, but surely 
surely you've got to read the room and have a look around if you're the NRL, scheduling it on the same time. Crash Craddock, as I said, didn't miss this morning uh, in today's Career Mail, uh, talking about being naive, arrogant. There's some strong words, aren't they? Uh, Justin, morning to you. Where are you listening from this morning? Justin, g'day. Uh, Darling Downs, mate. Darling Downs, beautiful. Beautiful part of the world. Um, Uh, What's a Tuesday morning look like for you? uh, Windy. (laughs) <laughs> hey, guess what? We're getting oh, that, that no, I, westerlies? Yes, they are westerly and they're nice and bitterly cold, mate. Cut and glass. Oh, straight. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you've got it locked onto us and thank you for the heads up because we know the echoes around the corner and that <laughs> does mean westerlies coming our way. Uh, now, your thoughts on, on. Uh, on Katrina Gorey? Mate, hmm. yeah. yeah I, I'm just a bit flabbergasted in the sense that, like, like unlike you, David Bashir's a well-respected journalist. And I don't see what was wrong with that comment. I mean, we we speak to our male athletes and how fatherhood changed you. Yeah. Um, you, you look at racing car drivers, F1 drivers, V8 supercoach. They always say once you have a kid, you lose, you know, three-tenths of a second on a lap, you know, because you're thinking about your kids. But I, I, I really don't understand what was wrong with that question. I'm I'm with you, Justin, and I have I have seen the comment that was triggered at all on, on Twitter, talking about being naive and sexist, and how dare they? Would they comment about that if it was males playing? Well, yeah, we would. I mean, you look at Usman Khawaja. Usman Khawaja, knowing that since becoming a father, and this is all tied into it. I'm not saying it was the direct reason, but Usman Khawaja has flourished yeah. in his career. You know why? Because he took a different perspective in, in life. He he was he, he didn't yeah. think he didn't think he was going to play for Australia again, and and he was a he was a dad, and it just changed different things within him. Now we've seen a positive with Usman Khawaja and flourishing in his time. So parenthood has but different. I've not seen par- a positive in in Glory as well. You oh, know no, what I mean? like, no, exactly, and this is my point. So for every for everyone, and, and J- Justin, I, I don't know if you've got kids, but it does. Change you, right? Yeah, yeah. Three. it 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 it, yeah, it, it does change, and whatever you do in life, it just it just changes it. it you have a different it's perspective, yeah. And for an yeah. exactly, and it's for them. And as an athlete, as an athlete, <laughs> you've got to be so selfish, and that's not just, and that's not having a crack at professional athletes. It's just what you got to do to be the best. So sometimes, I just think yeah. what I just think what Gory's done with the daughter with the team is. I know Heels joked around about a, bringing a puppy in, you know, into <laughs> yeah. the camp yeah. this morning on. But I get his sentiment behind it. Like, I just, I don't understand. If we asked this question of a male guy, we wouldn't be talking about this right now, Ben. Hey, Justin, spot on. And it shouldn't matter about gender at all. We should be celebrating the sport. Justin, well done, mate. 13-13-55. Uh, Signet Power Bank, uh, definitely. I reckon he's the clubhouse leader right now. And I reckon you might need him too out there on the Darling Downs. So Signet Power Bank up for grabs for the caller of the day. As I said, Justin's the clubhouse leader. Uh, plenty more to talk about, including rugby union. We've got a Bledisloe coming up. Are we any chance? Are we any chance? We do get the Tongan Thor back. Morgan Tyranny on the other side of this. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis.
how good. John Williamson before the Wallabies singing Walsing Matilda. Bring that back, I say. Uh, rugby, what, why has it fallen off a cliff? What, why has this crept up on us? The fact that the Bledisloe is at the MCG Saturday night. Uh, one man who's probably just burning with the ear, in the ears, me saying that, is a former Wallaby. He's a former Queensland Red. He's also a former Stingray from the sunny coast. Uh, he is now part of the Stan commentary team. Uh, Morgan Tiranui, very good morning to you. Did, you. did you play a test where John Williamson or Troy Cassadaly played Walsing Matilda to kick things off? Yeah, I did, Benny. Good morning. Um, yeah, I did, actually. And it was always good fun. Often it was used as a little bit of a buffer between the Harker against the All Blacks and kickoff, just to try and get them to calm down a bit from being so fired up after the Harker. And then but obviously, uh, uh, Johnny Williamson, he wrote a, a Wallaby song as well, The Number yeah. On Your Back. So that would play after the wins as well. So, well, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised with our new Rugby Australia CEO, Phil War, if you see the great man, John Williamson, back at some stage. I'm not sure when, but uh, just, a, just a little bit of that stirring stirring in the heart a little bit already listening to that then and it was interesting you comment about you know rugby falling off a cliff yeah. 20 years since we held the bladders low it's probably more a bit of a slide the cliff you can react hard to it's just been this sort of steady slide and then you turn around and as you mentioned it's uh, well, it's 21 years since Matt Burke's penalty goal retained the 2002 blood. It's on 2003 since we lost it. Mate, and that's the thing. Look, I'd, I'd circle in the calendar, blood is lies. And they'd normally be at Suncorp Stadium. Of course, we've got the Women's World Cup uh, footy going on at, at the moment, and which is which is the, one of the reasons why it's being played at the MCG, because there's no rectangular fields uh, available. But also, it's crept up. I, I just went, hang on, there's a Bledisloe this weekend. And the only reason I knew that is because Taniela Tupo uh, is now back into calculations as World Cup spots up for grabs. How much of a oh, – it's probably a leading question. How much of a chance are we, uh, considering what we've seen so far from the Wallabies, Morgan? Well, funnily enough, the fact that we shouldn't be a chance on performance probably means that we are. Good. Sometimes that's what <laughs> Wallabies teams are like. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. it's, it's the week. Most weeks I've convinced myself by about Thursday night that Wallabies are going to win no matter who they play. <laughs> but, but truthfully, the All Blacks, who, who haven't been invincible the last few years to, in the rugby world, their first two test matches of the year have been absolutely outstanding. Uh, they The first 20 minutes over in Argentina, they blew Argentina off the park. And then... South Africa obviously were too good for us at altitude in Pretoria, sent a really good team over to New Zealand, uh, and they were they were just outclassed in the first 20 as well. So they've started well in New Zealand. So they're in peak form. The Wallabies, of course, new coach, new way of playing, new assistant coaches, some new selections. They're a work in progress. So I saw enough to be positive about the future of, of, of the Wallabies this year, whether they're ready to go for a Bledisloe straight away against the All Blacks is the other thing. Look, this is the one. This MCG, massive crowd, as you mentioned, um, being being at that the, the big stadium. Um, what we should do is play in Brisbane every time, I think, because that's where our best record is. Oh, yeah. Simple. We'll go to Suncorp whenever we can. It's the Wallabies, but, um, Wallabies but, house of pain, isn't it, Suncorp? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it certainly is. And uh, oh, I just think that, that look, the Wallabies need a good performance to just to keep to build. And that means also that these are all black players that they played during super. They've played before. It's not a, you know, it's not a, um, an opposition they don't know about. It's just whether the rugby measured up is going to be good enough on Saturday night. Well, I, I take my mind back to when we last played the All Blacks in Melbourne. It was, it was that Bernard Foley penalty run on the end, wasn't it, with the time-wasting that, that, that cost us the French referee. Um, it's all coming back to me now as a, as a nightmare. So we, we almost took their scalp. But there, there's bigger... There's, there's bigger things at play. And normally we wouldn't say that about a Bledisloe Cup. Is there anything bigger? Well, there is. It, it's a World Cup. 
And what have we got? Three three tests for Eddie to work it out. Yeah, that's exactly it. I'm, I'm glad you reminded me once again of that night. That was the that was the <laughs> night where we thought, oh, well, we've done this. So yeah. It was one of the great down by 20 points, one of the great comebacks that the Wallabies have ever had. And then, uh, you know, we've we've moved on. But what I will say is that a referee pulls out some sort of interpretation that's never before been seen in the game of rugby union. Anyway, <laughs> we've moved on. Um, but it, but also, you know, lots of those players from both sides will be on the field again. The Wallabies know they have that sort of rugby in them. Uh, they're going to play a slightly more ambitious way of attacking with a little bit less structure, which does have teasing problems. So, as you mentioned, three matches to the World Cup, two against New Zealand. So next week they go to Dunedin and play them again, and then France two weeks out from the World Cup. So not a lot of time for Eddie Jones to put his stamp on the team. So just incremental improvements in their game are important, but it's still a blurter's like They've still got to go out there. Yes. They've got to go out there and win collisions. They've got to go and put their body on the line. And if we're 20 to go, the, the, you know, the game's tight, and there's an opportunity there that they've earned to build, they've got to have a crack at winning this. Morgan, you, you mentioned you've, you've seen something that gives you hope for the future. What is it? G- give us an idea and something that is Aussies that we can cling on to, knowing that all hope isn't lost because we haven't had any success yet under Eddie. Yeah, I suppose the big thing is that my point of view too is that is respecting the era of Dave Rennie where he did build a lot of capability through the team. He didn't get the wins. I think it was a thirty eight percent win record. And so when you're when you're just a footy coach like Dave Rennie, I never saw him happier than when he was on the field coaching his team. And then all you can do is live and die by your win-loss record, even though the context of COVID and bubbles and travel and all those things were there. Playing the All-Blacks even more than we usually did. I think his first year as the Wallaby coach, he played them four times. Um, so, so he built a really good group of players that, that work hard and they just needed an extra push. My confidence and positivity draws from a simple fact that I trust the head coach. I believe in the head coach. He's the smartest hardest working guy that I've ever come across. I saw you know, he was a huge positive influence on lots of players in my era. So I know that he's got it in him. What, what needs to happen is there needs to be lots of system changes in Australian rugby as well around pathways and talent ID and all that sort of stuff. But when you've got a guy like that at the top of the tree, he's an agent for change. So if he sees changes that he needs, he can affect them. Dave Rennie's a footy coach. Eddie Jones will run the game in Australian rugby. He's got a former Wallaby captain as the new CEO. He's got a chairman that... Whether you agree with him or not, he's out there punching away for the game. So there's three guys who make huge changes to the game, and that's why I'm confident. And in terms of on the footy in the short term, uh, Eddie Jones leaves no stone unturned in his preparation. He can find little ways the Wallabies can improve. Um, and, and truthfully, lots of teams will play Eddie Jones. Teams worried about what he's going to throw at them. All right, you're selling it to me for the future. What about this Saturday <laughs> night? We've we, we've got Taniella back. How he he is vitally important to any team he plays in, isn't he? Yeah, he's hugely important. As you saw with the Queensland Reds this year, it's yeah. a perfect example. He, he truthfully carried them, along with lots of good players around him, to that Super Rugby AU victory, and they felt his absence this year. Um, you know, they were just set up to have a, a tough season. They actually did pretty well, truthfully, to qualify for the finals off the back of so much being reliant on 10 and 2 plus platform and his carry. The Wallabies now get that. The hugely positive return of Angus Bell as well on the other side of the scrum means four top quality props, which you need. So Taniella and Angus Bell back is huge for the Wallabies. I've loved seeing, you know, the mix of some of the bench come in, the Tate McDermott and guys that from up north, um, adding a bit of pace to the game late. So there's lots of little positives around the Wallabies. I just need to see more and more of it. I love watching Quade Cooper play. Are you convinced that he should be our number 10 for the World Cup? Well, Eddie certainly is. Uh, you know, he seems to be the one that he thinks can manage the game for him. 
When you look at you know you look at the way he's building a Wallabies back line, for example, he's he's got two out and out X factor players he's looking for, Cor and Betty, and probably no one need to watch now after his performance last week on the wings. He wants power through the middle like a Samu Karevi and whoever will be paired with him, whether it's a Jordan Pataya or an Izzy Parisi who Queensland fans will know. And then maybe someone a bit more settled like an Andrew Kellaway's fullback. So that just means they need a Quade Cooper character to control things and guide them around the park. And he'll get better and better as well. He's two matches back from a ruptured Achilles pretty much like he's you know mm. pretty much destroyed his ankle um, so that takes time as well lots of guys coming back from injury which also gives me patience uh, but I also like that more and more you might see Carter Gordon the Queensland kid who's come through at the Rebels down in Melbourne I really like the look of him for the future so it's a good way of bringing him through without throwing him into the deep end which we've done so many times before with young tens. Mate, I love you mentioning these Queenslanders. Good stuff. We'll keep that rocking and rolling. No, I know I, I know who you are, mate. I know what you're like. <laughs> so, you know, I just want to make sure you're happy. Hey, come on. You were a Queensland Red too, as I said. Well, Sunshine mate, Coast I'm a very team. proud vintage Red. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But let's forget the 65 games for the Warriors. We're counting the, <laughs> yeah. the, the dozen-year paper it me, Queensland. It took me a while to see the light. Yeah. <laughs> and we are glad that you uh, came to God's country. Outstanding stuff. Mate, we, we, we'll watch with interest and perhaps some uh, renewed vigour and hope after this chat, mate. We'll see it Saturday night. Of course, uh, it is ad-free. The All Blacks and Wallabies Bledisloe are on stand, your new home of rugbystand.com.au. Morgan, thank you, mate. Good luck at calling over the weekend. It's 10.32 this Tuesday morning here on SENQ. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Woke up this morning from the strangest dream. I was in the biggest army the world has ever seen. We were marching as one on the road to the Holy Grail. Ah, yes, it is a song that was playing loud and proud about 20 years ago when it came to the Gabba. I am talking to Brisbane Lions Premiership. Could they be on the hunt for another? From what I've seen, they are going gangbusters, especially taking down the Premier's Geelong too. It wasn't pretty, but they got the job done. Uh, We'll get into that in just a moment, how they cover the injury to Will Ashcroft too. He's played every game for them, the 18-year-old. It's not often we say an 18-year-old leaves a big hole, but he does. Uh, Daryl White's standing by. But I'm just getting some news coming out of the Dolphins. Uh, They're training at the moment. Uh, They come back from the bye. Uh, but they are going to have a major signing or re-signing, I believe, in the next 45 minutes. Um, I wonder who that could be if it's a re-signing. Well, we will bring you that uh, when it comes to fruition, but news out of the Peninsula, or is that the Peninsula? Peninsula, yeah. Uh, We could be, uh, uh, we will be uh, seeing what the Dolphins have up their sleeve. All right, let's talk some AFL now because the Lions are on a tear. They're sitting third on the ladder. Geez, they could have been, I, I still think of that rude, that missed opportunity against Melbourne. They could have been knocking down the door to take over second spot from Port, but uh, uh, we know that they can mix it with the best after taking down Geelong. Uh, one man who's been part of the best of the Lions have ever put together, a triple premiership player over 250 games, DJ Daryl White. Good morning to you, mate. Good morning, Benny. How are we? Uh, all the better for talking to you. Geez, you've, you've got to be pumped at what the class of 2023 are doing right now. Oh, certainly. Look, they've, um, you know, waged their way up to, you know, third position and obviously got a healthy healthy percentage. So that doesn't 
sort of worry them too much this time of the year, you know, being in the position they're in. But, you know, win most probably three out of the next five, mate, to hold that third spot. And maybe, you know, we're only game off Port Adelaide. So and getting them on the, you know, doing that on the weekend was fantastic. The, the lines were great against Geelong. Um, they're a formidable side, aren't they? But as you said, and yeah, we don't say this too often, you know, Will Ashcroft going down, I, I think it'll be a little hole, but I think they'll be able to fill it. They've got an abundance of really good midfielders, and obviously Dunkley coming in back week, uh, back last week sort of filled a bit of that void as well. But yeah, him going down, you know, gives an opportunity for someone else. Well, all right. Well, well, who do you see, or how do you see it playing out? Who who, who plugs that gap? Oh, it's a hard one. I think Lyons most probably comes back in. I'd say, um, being that. Um, midfield type in the next one and obviously came in the last couple of weeks and then Dunkley sort of made his way back in after injury and um, he was the one to go back to the two. So I think he's a no-brainer in, in that regard. Um, obviously, their back six is settled there with, you know, eight, nine blokes going there through throughout the year. So that's been a really good sign for the line. And their forwards, look, they're, they're popping up at different times, aren't they? I'd love to see them three of them get on fire on the one evening it'd be unbelievable but someone always pops up and kicks their two or three which is fantastic and you need need your big you know in Hipwood and Danaher they're doing, they've been doing the job over the last couple you only need to snare a couple and you, you know you've got to make a contest and and be a, be a target but um, I think Fagan's going alright what he's got at the moment that's the thing. What he's got at the moment is a VFL team who are going gangbusters. They've had, what, just the one loss uh, this year, haven't they? So they, they are flying. Yeah, and, drawing a loss, yep. Drawing a loss, yep. Drawing a loss, yeah. So whoever steps up from that, and we've seen that with, with JL. We've seen that with Jared Lyons. He's come in. And we, we saw a Calar Cheek. Calar Cheek was one of the best on the on the paddock against Geelong after being called in for Zach Bailey. Yeah, you're exactly right. And he, he's been that one. It's been him and Lyons most probably. It's been more Cal Archie the last most probably two years, really, mm. if you put it into context. You know, he's been that sort of float. He just can't crack, you know, a full season with the Lions, but he's always the first picked out of that next bunch. And as you said, yeah, they're going gangbusters in the in the two. So, you know, he's got a real healthy group to pick from. Another one who carved up on the weekend was um, Cockatoo. So he, he's the one who could most probably... Um, go in as well. Obviously, um, uh, uh, the forward, Kite Lyman as well, you know, he's been playing yeah. really well as well, kicking some goals. So Darcy Fort's done his job, you know, and got back in. So, look, it's he's got players to pick from, which is which is good at this time of the year. And, and Matt, I thought you'd be the perfect man to ask because obviously you've got skin in the game with, uh, with the young fella playing in the twos as well, uh, forging his way through, being part of that team that are just just, just taking the, the VFL competition by storm. I, I just thought of that as well. Zach Bailey, he, he's got to come back. He's got to come back into this team. So, And I, and I know speaking to Dane Zorko last night for, for seven years, we were having a chat about this. He said, well, maybe Zach Bailey is the one that comes back into a midfield rotation just to add some speed into that midfield to replace Will Ashcroft. That's a possibility. That definitely is, and that, that, that's that's a no-brainer there too because he does play, um, you know, he has played part-time in the midfield and he does have a pinch hit in there and that would be a viable option because obviously uh, Will was sort of, yeah, being that three-way sort of rotation there and spending a bit of time in the forward half and going through the midfield and going to the bench. So, no, that's a logical one, but I think, um, look, those two will definitely walk back in the sidelines and um, Bailey for sure. All right, Daryl, with 
the Lions as premiership contenders. They've been pressing for the last couple of years, what, two prelims in the last three years. Are they better suited now? Have they got a better look at this than they have done in previous years because of the personnel that they've got? I, I think so, and as we just alluded to, the healthy list. But I was um, really, I was really happy with the game against Melbourne. I didn't want them to get, you know, blown away. And look, we don't play too well in Victoria. Obviously, um, under the roof, we play there a lot, and we've had some massive wins there yeah. at Marvel. But when we get to GMBH or go out to Ballarat, or you know, obviously at the at the Mecca, the MCG, we struggle a little bit. So um, I, I think that was really good. Uh, a feel for the club, I reckon, and even fans, you know, the fans would have been really uh, happy with that result, you know, not go, only going down by a couple of goals and really giving it to Melbourne, you know, and look, had a poor start, didn't didn't they? So, you know, yeah. that's something that's something they can fix as a team. So, look, I, I think they're in a real good spot. Like you said, a healthy list. The twos are growing great. Third on the ladder, you know, one game away from second. And I think, you know, look, obviously there should be a lay down there this week with uh, Gold Coast. I think they should get over the line and, and really punish them and show that they are, you know, you, you, third play and something like 14th or 15th, you know, they should sort of get, get the win by 10 goals. Well, I'm glad you led me into that because that was going to be my next question about the, the, local, <laughs> the local derby, a, a team who's changed their coach, no Stewie Jew. Um, you, you think it should be a lay-down Mazzara against the coast. What, what, what do the Suns do? Who, who do they bring in next year as, as coach? Oh, uh, not too sure. Um, I think looking at what's available, I think um, I think our old team, our old, my old teammate might get a few looks in there, Justin Lepich, I think, you know. But I think he, he, he likes his role now. He I think he's had a few opportunities to put in for a coaching role, but he actually likes that assisting role. But I think he might be something along the lines of him. Um, obviously, I'm not too sure about Buckley. He, he's, a, he's a quite achiever. And I, I think, look, I don't know. Obviously, he sat on the fence a bit. But obviously, with the Ken Hinckley saga early in the year, um, stuff like that, and with Hardwick, I think there might be an opportunity for Hardwick to go to Port Adelaide. And I think Hinkley, I think if Port, look, the players are really loving him at the moment. He's galvanised that group. Mm. Um, I don't know, the, I don't, I don't know where the board sit there. So I, if he does move, I think Hinkley might be the next next one at uh, Gold Coast. Well, maybe we're back to the future. Um, I can't see Port letting him go after the season they've had, but you're right. We just don't know where they where they stand, where they where they sit. Um, DJ, always good to talk to you, mate. Let's do it again and uh, wish the young bloke well uh, playing in the the twos and uh, just keeping the pressure on for the Lions when it comes to the senior team. Daryl White, three time a premiership player for the Brisbane Lions. Some great news too, Jasper Fletcher. Not only did he pick up the Rising Star nomination uh, for this round, uh, he has been locked away at the Lions for another two years. They've extended his contract in the last 24 hours until the end of 2026. So Jazz Croft lives on at the Lions. Maybe not for this year, but for definitely the few years to come. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. 
This is Mornings with Ben Davis. 11 minutes past, uh, sorry, four minutes past 11. Where are we? Uh, on a Tuesday morning, we're talking some cricket. Jimmy Pearson, not too far away. Uh, in action, Atlanta at the moment. We're talking tennis here. We're on the US Open swing. It's the Atlanta Open. Uh, Tanasi Tanasi Kokonakis has taken Galmon Fee to a third set tiebreaker. If he does get up and win this, he'll be taking on the Demon in Atlanta. We'll keep an eye on that over the next uh, half hour to an hour. Uh, and a big announcement coming out of the Dolphins at half past 11. But before we get to that, time to do this. Ten questions, one winner. Time for morning's quiz whiz. And now here's our very cheap version of Tony Barber, Benny Davis. Uh, very cheap indeed. Uh, the Titans and Cowboys at Seabus Stadium at this Sunday, 4 o'clock. It is time to get even. We've got a double to give away. And the lines have lit up. I love that. Shane, Dennis, John, you're all in the queue. But we've got a couple of Gregs to kick things off. Let's go to Greg at Launton. He was the first caller through. Uh, morning to you, Greg. How is Launton this fine Tuesday? Uh, it's a beautiful day in Launton today. Beautiful. It's going to get even better, mate, if you can give me these 10 answers straight. The first one, though, you need to tell me is which Queenslander scored a century in the drawn fourth Ashes test at Old Trafford over the weekend? Manus Labashane. Off and racing, Gregory. Here we go. Speaking of racing, what event did Ariane Tipmus break a world record in on her way to the World Championships in Fukuoka on Sunday night? What event was she swimming? The four-metre four, um, freestyle, 400-metre freestyle. There we go. 400 indeed. Race of the century it was too. All right. I need three names here. Who are the three Brisbane Lion players who've been nominated for the AFL Rising Star this year? Um, Will Ashcroft. Yep. Jeez. Uh, Fletcher. Yep. And is it Powell? Oh, no, 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 no. Greg, it was a good start. You had two of the three, but guess what? You get a second chance. If you call back, uh, you will have that second bite at the cherry. All right, let's go to Mango Hill, and it's another Greg. G'day, mate. How you going, mate? Very well. AFL, do you know your Brisbane Lions players? You've already got two of the names. I just need the other who's been nominated for a rising star this year. Is it? Um, I'm not really good on the AFL. Uh, I knew the first two. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be um, Bailey, would it? Oh, no, not Zach Bailey. Not Zach Bailey. Uh, let me see. Where do we go here? John's at Burpengary. Morning, John. We're getting a lot of Northsiders too. Yeah, I like you. this. Okay, very well. AFL. Ashcroft and Fletcher we have. Who's the other line has been nominated for the Rising Star this year? Is it Darcy Wilmot? It is indeed Darcy Wilmot. That's question three. We have seven to go. Um, were you watching Broncos and Souths on Friday night? Bits and pieces. All right. Reese Walsh and Katoni Staggs, they celebrated tries by doing what? Backflips. Yes, indeed. Backflips away. Question number five. Keeping in the Queensland theme, which Queensland golfer finished tied for second at the British Open? Jason Day. Yes, J-Day indeed. 
John, we are on a tear here. Question number seven. If you were listening to my chat with Morgan Tiranui earlier this uh, this uh, Tuesday, you would know the answer to this. What year did the Wallabies last win the Bledisloe? Oh, I don't get a clue, I suppose. No, I, you know, I did give this answer earlier in the program. So there you go. That's the only clue I've got. 2002? Oh, ho, 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 yes, sir. Well done. You were listening. I like that. I, okay. I remember that now. Yeah. 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 Question number eight. Payne Haas currently leads the Dally M count, or before it, behind closed doors. Who was the last Broncos player to win a Dally M? I'd say it was Alfie. You'd say right. Well done. 1996 as well, which is hard to believe. you think someone like Lockie would have picked one up along his travels, but no, not a Dally M. Uh, question number nine. What about this? We're at the penultimate question already, John. Take a deep breath. Who won the inaugural clue? Oh, see, I can never say this right. Q clash. There we go. Spit it out. Who won the inaugural Q clash oh. between the Suns and Lions? Yeah, got a 50-50 here. Yeah, you do. I'll go the Lions. 2011, uh, no, it was not. No, John, but guess what? You do get a second bite if you hang up and ring back because it was the third call of three. All right, Dennis is out of Bray Park. Timing is run beautifully. Dennis, morning to you. Um, there you go, mate. <laughs> Suns or Lions? And we just heard the wrong answer. Give me the right one. Done. <laughs> yes, that was the easiest fall in. How do we let that be question nine, a 50-50? Anyway, uh, we should have thought about that a bit earlier. Here we go, mate, for the win, for the double to the Titans and Cowboys this Sunday afternoon, local derby. How good is this down at Rabina? The Matildas beat Ireland, we know, in their World Cup opener, 1-0. Who scored that goal for Australia? Starts with P, doesn't it? I'm pretty sure. Can't give you the clue. Can't say yay or nay. But I can give you a five-second timer. Mate, I wouldn't have a clue. Oh, Dennis, thank you. You've had a crack. No, he doesn't get it. Oh, Greg's taking his second bite at the cherry. Hello, mate. Welcome back. Yeah, there you go. All right, very. You, I'll be going well. You'll be going even better if you can tell me who scored Australia's only goal of the World Cup so far to beat Ireland. Oh God, I knew you were going to come back to that. <laughs> ah, gee. It was. Uh, what was her name? We got to go. We got to go. Uh, Quick, give me a name. Throw it out. Sorry, go. Mate. No idea. Oh, no Greg, idea. no. Oh, it's a good one, question 10. Uh, our second Greg from Mango Hill is back. We had a whole bunch of callers waiting on, but they they, they saw that was John was on a tear and they fell off. Hey, Greg, second bite of the cherry. Matilda's beat Island 1-0. Who scored the goal for Australia? Go. Wasn't Catley, was it? <laughs> it was indeed. Yeah, the stand-in skipper for Sam Kerr. Stephanie Catley, she stood up and took that penalty. Well done. You, my friend, are off to the Titans and Cowboys. This is the Cowboys gunning for, what, six in a row? Seven in a row. They're on a tear, and they are flying into the top eight, seventh and climbing. So the Titans, they had a good second half against the Roosters on the weekend too. So well done, mate. Uh, Seabus Super Stadium this Sunday at 4 o'clock.
Thank you for being part of the quiz. Greg, I'm going to put you back to the hoff. He's going to get your details as well. Uh, 13 13 55 0467 736 736. They are the digits you need to be involved in the show. Queensland Sports' biggest conversation, uh, if not only online, but... Uh, and on the air and on your phone, but on our social media channels as well. And the reason I mention that, we've got a poll running at the moment. Who is the best Broncos recruit ever? Adam Reynolds is now in the conversation, and he will be right up there, perhaps in the grand final with Glenn Lazarus, when and if Brisbane win a premiership under his guidance. Fair call? Should Adam Reynolds be in the conversation as our best recruit ever for the Broncos? And if not Adam Reynolds, who? Our Twitter poll, look, there were three names thrown up there. Adam Reynolds, Glenn Lazarus, Gordon Tallis. There was a fourth option for other. Right now, Adam Reynolds leads that poll on 67%, and it's evenly split between the Brick With Eyes and the Raging Bulls, 17% each. I've thrown another one out there. And so have you too, which has been fantastic. This has been a brilliant conversation this morning. I said Trevor Gilmeister. And the reason behind that is he came to the club in 1991 from the Roosters. Wayne Bennett brought him in to do a job. And that job was to show them how to train hard, to hit hard, to bring that hard edge that just wasn't there for the Broncos. And Gilly did that. The axe sharpened them up. That was 1991. By 92, they've won a premiership. 93, won a premiership. Gilly was part of that. He'll be embarrassed for me saying this, I know. Glenn Lazarus came to the club in 92. Yes, instant success winning a premiership. But did Gilly do the groundwork for the brick with eyes to come in? Controversial, I know, but that's the way I'm going. 13, 13, 55. If not Adam Reynolds, if not Trevor Gilmeister, if not Glenn Lazarus, who? Greg's out of Dabra on the text line. He said, hey, Ben, Lazo for me, no doubt. Well, he's in the grand final, I reckon, as the Broncos' best recruit. We've been talking about him as the next immortal. What a hell of a resume he's got. Six premierships with three different clubs. He's the only player ever to do that. Three different clubs, premierships, and he's won six. The bulk of his games were with the Broncos. 118 times he suited up for Brisbane. The winning percentage... Almost 75%. 73.7 for those playing at home. And it could have been a lot better if he didn't have a year like he did in 1994. Not Lazo's fault, a lot of injury. The Broncos didn't have great success either. His success rate was 55% in 94. So that brings the average down. Other than that, he'd be knocking a little over 80% win rate with the Broncos. Does that make him our greatest recruit ever? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Uh, We are going to change tact after this break. We are going to talk some cricket because the Ashes are still in play. I know the urn is, yeah, returning to Australia, but there is a test match to be won. And it's at the Oval. It starts Thursday. You can hear it here on SEN now. A lot of criticism coming Pat Cummins' way, coming the coach's way for Australia, for the tactics employed here. Well, one man who knows exactly what went down with the tactics because he was there. He was part of the Australian change room. I'm talking about Jimmy Pearson. He he was seconded to be the backup keeper behind Alex Carey while Josh Inglis went on paternity leave. He's back home now, the Brisbane Heat captain. We're going to get his insight into what it was like to be on an Ashes tour, what it was like inside the team meetings, the tactics employed, and what should happen come the fifth test. Should there be changes? Should there be a spinner brought in? 
We know Mitch Marsh and Mitch Stark have injury concerns. What happens there? Jimmy Pearson on the other side of this. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. By request, and we're taking requests, are we? Uh, Matt, thank you for that text. He said, can I request DJ Slam and Sam play Blue Monday by New Order in honour of the English cricket team? Blue Monday, <laughs> indeed. Dear, oh dear, we are hearing some strange things coming out of the UK, aren't we, in the wake of Australia retaining the urn. I, I mentioned the headline on bbc.com, uh, which uh, thank you to Vossi and uh, Trent Copeland uh, from our sister station down in Sydney, uh, bringing my attention to this. Why does rain stop cricket and what can be done about it? That seriously was the headline on the BBC just a few hours ago. What can be done about rain? Well, build a stadium with a roof mainly, but anyway. Uh, 13 Uh Look, a lot of commentary coming out of the fourth test. Yes, it was a draw. Yes, it was one that we saw the ashes and the urn returned and retained uh, here in Australia. Now focus turns on to the fifth test. But the questions being raised were around the tactics. Uh, I can understand them coming out early in the series, trying to negate Basball, but it just seemed we lost our way. That's what it seemed like to me. But let's find out what it was like from someone uh, who was inside the dressing rooms over the Ashes series. He's now back home. He was the standing keeper, the backup keeper to Alex Carey. He was seconded uh, over to the UK when Josh Inglis went on a, well, he went on paternity leave. And I speak none other than the Brisbane Heat captain. Yes, and standing Queensland captain when Uzi's not there. Uh, he is a man who is uh, pinpoint with the gloves, Jimmy Pearson. Welcome home, mate. What a time for you. How, how was the UK? How was your travels over there? Hey, Benny, thanks for having me on, mate. Um, oh, well, I was just saying earlier, it was a fantastic experience just because of, I guess, how good that these series has been. Um, you know, something that, as a cricket fan, just you're so engaged in what's going on over there and to be actually a part of it in the inner sanctum and, and um, a part of the team that's going out there and doing it, so it's pretty cool. So, yeah, great. Great experience. First one with the test team and hopefully I get another chance to, to go over um, in the future. Yeah, mate, we, we all hope you do too. What, what what have you, what does it feel like coming back? I know, I know you didn't get to play, but again, being part of the inner sanctum, being, being recognized to say, Hey, you, you're, you're next in line. If something goes down, what does that do for you coming back home? Do you, do you feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof? Cause that's what we hear about a footy players going off to play rep footy, or at least being part of the camp. They just come back by osmosis, a better player? Yeah, I think certainly you're rubbing shoulders, like you say, osmosis. You're rubbing shoulders with the best of the best, so you can't help but be a sponge and learn as much as you can while you're around those guys. I'll tell you what it does do, though. It really stokes the fire of ambition to get back and, and, and be dominant in at state level um, so that you are rewarded and you get your chance to go with that test team. Because once you get a taste of it, geez, you realise how good it is and you, and you realise how much you want to be a part of it. Um, so... Certainly, yeah. What I felt coming back is I'm more motivated than ever to have a really dominant home summer. Um, you know, um, do what I can to put my name forward and be, um, you know, be be considered to be a part of that uh, that best 18-man squad next time we tour. Um, 
certainly that's at the forefront of my mind. I want to be that next man in. So uh, that's for me what, what that tour has done because it's just such a great experience. Music to every Queensland fan's ears, mate. Well said, well said. Can, can you take <laughs> us inside? Because, I mean, you, I'm sure you're reading it. I'm sure you're hearing the uh, the critiques around Pat's captaincy and even tactics, which it's not solely on the shoulders of Pat Cummins. I would have thought there'd be team room meetings, there'd be coaches talking about this is the best way to attack. Can you can you give us an insight to to the tactics that were employed and why to combat Basball? Yeah, look, look, I think it's it's a bit of a fickle one, isn't it? Because you're coming against a side that's playing some really good cricket and it's a, a particular brand of cricket that um, is not often seen in this format. So um, you have to have plans in place to to combat that, I guess. And, you know, um, up until Leeds, we were 2-0 up in the series um, and people were critical of the defensive nature of how it was going. And, and But at that point, it was working. So... Um, as we've seen in the last two tests, it's probably the tables have turned a little bit in terms of England have been fairly dominant um, across those those two those two tests. And I think a lot of it comes down to the team that England are playing, particularly someone like Mark Wood coming in there by 150 k's an hour. Um, that is just a massive point of difference, and we've seen how much that's had effect um, for them. And in the first two tests, he wasn't there, so I think that's a massive piece to the puzzle. I think England are bowling better with him in that side. Um, in terms of in terms of our tactics, um, look, I, I'm not privy to all the information with the meetings and that sort of thing, but I would have thought the numbers would suggest that if you can restrict or limit that run rate of the the basketball format, if we, if we call it that, um, you know, it probably is more beneficial than trying all our attack. Uh, so, look, there'd be reasons why uh, Pat's making his you know decisions around um, the tactics, and certainly when it was two nil up, people weren't quite as unhappy as they are now when it's you know. Um, a bit tighter in the standings, but look, there, there would be a reason why that Australia is playing with that um, that tactic, and certainly we've retained the Ashes, uh, and I'm pretty confident we're going to win this last test. So once we come home winning an Ashes in England, which hasn't been done in I think 21 years, um, people might have a different opinion. Well, let's hope that is the case because Jimmy, I've got to say, watching the other night, I think it just seemed like we were lost. We we, we knew the plan. But the plan wasn't working. When is a captain, and you've been there, when is a captain do you go, right, everything we spoke about hasn't happened? Do we just keep trying the same thing over and over again, hoping we get a different result, or do we change things up? When, when do you have to make that call, and should that call have been made? Oh, yeah, look, I think you have to adapt, definitely. Um, but, you know, I think if you look back to something like the Lord's Test, where the wicket was fairly benign, we went with that short ball plan and it actually worked, and we won that test. Um, I think Pat and the team have stuck to that. Um, I guess it has been rigid in their thinking and how they're going to go about it with the ball. Um, it has to be said, geez, that Manchester wicket looked like it was very flat. So there's only mm. so many things you can try when, when it is that flat. And certainly with our bowling attack and the speed we've got and the height of our bowlers, the short ball plan is something that we usually go to. Um, look, I mean, we didn't have a spinner that test. Um, that's something else we probably could have tried, but we didn't really have access to. Um, so... Look, I think Pat, you know, he, he was he was limited to what he could try because there wasn't many options. And the short ball seemed to be it. You pitched the ball up, you know, it was flat as attack. The ball was soft and it wasn't many attacking options. So what I do like about the short ball theory, although he may have held onto it too long, is it is an option to try and take wickets. It's an aggressive option rather than, you know, just bowling straight lines at straight fields and seeing what could happen. Um, so at least, you know, we are trying things. Maybe we could be a bit more um, fluid in our, in our thinking as we go on, but certainly I think there's there's reasons why we're doing those things. There's reasons why Pat's doing it. So uh, again, we win this series. Um, it might be a different story in the media, but at the moment with the with the test the way it went, it's um, 
you know, questions are being asked. As far as Johnny Bairstow is concerned and Alex Carey and the, and the stumping or the run out, uh, <laughs> um, where, 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 what side of the equation do you sit on? Uh, being a keeper batsman, is it part of the keeper's cartel that, yeah, hell yeah, I'd do it? Or, or where do you, how did you, how did you view it? No doubt. I, I, look, I, everyone's got their, their opinions on whatever else. Uh, I think that the heightened nature of an Ashes series has blown this right out of proportion. Personally, I think Kez was well within his rights to do what he did. There was no apprehension whatsoever. He caught the ball through it. He was just good enough to hit the stumps. Um, so I, I absolutely don't think anything was wrong with it. Um, just because of the context of the game, it was on a nice edge. It could have gone either way, and it completely gave us to win, no doubt. But, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it personally. Spirit of the game, like, look, you know, everyone's got their opinion on that too. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, I know Johnny has, you know, been quiet about it. Um mm. But uh, look, from my point of view, I'm, I'm, I'm with Kez on this one. I would have done the exact same thing. Um, he's had to cop a lot from the backlash from it. And, you know, anyone who knows Alex Carey would never question his integrity. Uh, he's one of the nicest blokes in cricket. Uh, certainly, he has great respect for the game. So I think he's been unfairly targeted uh, on the back of what happened uh, personally. And if it was my situation, I would have done the exact same thing because, you know what, it's a part of the game. He's well within his right. Um, and that's just my take on things. No, nah, good take too. I think there's many that'll agree with you. T- take us inside the, the rooms, though, Jimmy. Uh, after that test, how was it? How, how was it frosty? Uh, I mean, did the palms come in? Did you have a beer? Did, does that does that happen, or did it did it change the dynamic of things between the the teams? Oh, look, certainly there was no um, interaction after the test match. And to be fair, both tests, even in Leeds, when I was there, there was no interaction post game. Well, from what I understand, it's it's a bit of an end of series thing where everyone comes together and has a beer and, and sort of, I guess, chats about everything. But between tests, there hasn't been a whole lot of interaction. Certainly, you can feel there's a bit of animosity, certainly in those two tests. So I was there, on Lords and Leeds, um, where the teams are, uh, you know, oh, look, there is, it's just, you can feel there's niggle. There's certainly niggle. Um, so, but that, I mean, look, that's pretty good for the game, isn't it? I mean, it's the Ashes. Yeah. This, is, this, is, this, is, this is as you know, high as it gets it's, uh, in terms of, for your country and winning and, and that sort of thing. So um, everyone's going to be, you know, have that bit of, uh, you know, uh, aggression towards each other, I suppose. So inside the changes after the Lord's test, I, I think because you know, we won that test and then, you know, we had, had sung a team song and enjoyed that moment of winning the test. And then there wasn't a whole lot of sort of talk around it. It was probably the days that followed as we went into the next test match. It was a quick turnaround um, that, you know, various media came in, you know, some of the greats of the game on both sides of the camps of talking and having their opinion, and that's when probably, you know, the noise around the situation happened. Um, and then, of course, going to Leeds, and that that um, that crowd was, was aggro, no doubt about it, and poor old Kez was on the receiving end of some, some heckling. So, um, yeah, look, it's one of those things that will go down in history, won't it? Like, it'll be talked about um, for many Ashes series moving forward, I believe, but... Um, Look, it's all good for the game. I reckon any 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 news is good news, and and uh, everyone's talking about the Ashes, so it's pretty cool. Uh, what do we do for the fifth test, Jimmy? Um, a spinner comes back in. Is that an obvious choice, or is it one that I'm all over? Oh, I think so. The, uh, look, the oval is is renowned to be a very good batting wicket. Um, so that being said, though, uh, they may make a, a green seamer, you know, wanting to get the results um, of, of a match. So they want they won't want to leave it to a to a draw and us to actually outright win the Ashes. So it could be green. I certainly, I, I like the idea of having a spinner just so you've got someone to go to if it does get flat. Um, you know, we saw in Manchester, if it wasn't raining, the, the, the wicket looked like it was deteriorating. So it would have been mm. probably good to have 
you know, hindsight's wonderful, but good to have a spinner there. Um, so look, if, I, I think, yeah, I think Tom Murphy will come back into the side um, and you'll look to use him. I think, um, you know, our quicks will, will do similar sort of things in terms of, um, you know, pitching the block when it's new, if it's green, um, and then, you know, if it gets flat using that short ball theory. It's something that obviously Pat's really sticking to. And you know what? Credit to him. Under the pump, he stuck to his guns and stuck to the plan and trusted that process. So um, hopefully they can get some, some good benefit out of that coming into this next test. And I think some big runs from Marnie. He's started to look like he's informing to work really hard in his game. Obviously a, a match sort of defining 100 in this last innings. Uh, I'm backing him and, and um, David Warner to score big runs in this next test. I think they're both bulls definitely due. And Marnie's starting to look the good. So I'm really backing those guys in for this next test. Oh, Jimmy, I love that. I love that. The hairs are standing on the back of my neck. Just quickly, have you heard from have you heard from the summer's best shield bowler, the red ball bowler? Actually, he was the best bowler across the entire summer for domestic cricket. I'm talking about Michael yeah. Neeser. He hasn't, yeah, hasn't sent course, a text yeah. going, hey, boys, I'm in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Is look, any word? No, nah, look, Ness is one of my good mates. So we, we chat a bit and, you know, he's one of those guys. He's ultra positive. He, I, you know, he wouldn't say a bad word about anyone, to be honest. So, you know, he's oh, he doesn't say it, but I think deep down he'd be really uh, itching to get a go. He's yeah. around the squad, uh, and when he's gone out of the squad, he's gone back to the Morgan and scored hundreds and taken fifers. So he really can't do much more um, than he's done. So it'll just be a matter of opportunity now, I suppose. That looks like a fairly settled bowling attack, and that you know you got Cummins, Hazelwood, Stark there, and if they play their all rounder, they got Cam Green. So it's it's a really tough bowling attack to get into. Um, that being, you know, and you know, Scotty Boland's down running drinks, so he's yeah. someone that's fantastic as well. So it's a really tough, tough uh, team to break into. But look, he's ready. He knows that he's, you know, so good in those conditions. And if opportunity comes through with injury or, or whatever else, um, he could well and truly get the job done. So I do feel for him. He's one of the greatest blokes you ever meet, and he's um, playing some of the best cricket of his life. So he might just fall into one of those categories like Andy Bickle, and, and you know, not play a whole lot of cricket or should have played a lot more throughout his career, but. Uh, look, what a fantastic Queenslander and cricketer, and I hope he gets a crack. Jimmy, outstanding insight as always. Uh, very generous with your time, and congratulations again for being called up into uh, into the squad and uh, being part of a an Ashes uh, retaining win. And you never know; it may be an Ashes series <laughs> win too. Uh, we wish you, mate. We'll talk to you before the summer starts too. Um, sadly, you've come back and you've got to get into preseason, so um, yeah. well, no, I can't get back hill. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave you to that. Thank you, mate. Insightful as ever. Thanks, buddy. There we go. Jimmy Pearson, our backup keeper for Australia. Michael Nisa will come into play. You'd have to think so. There are question marks over the Mitches. Stark and Marsh, both with niggles. Uh, We know that um, Mitch Marsh is straight. He hasn't played a lot of red ball cricket, yet he played the last couple of tests. So the body is starting to feel that. We know that from Andrew McDonald, the coach. Mitch Stark is battling a shoulder, um, how he pulls up within a short turnaround that's got to come into play. And Cameron Green, is he the one that drops out for a spinner? 13-13-55-0467-736-736. What would you do? Uh, some breaking news coming out of the Dolphins. We'll get into that next time for a news hit now with Vanessa. Get involved anytime. Text 0467-736-736 or call 13-13-55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Do you like apples? Yeah. Well, I got a number. How do you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> Slam and Sam, 
What? What was that? I just thought I'd hark back to we'll pull back the curtain here, a conversation we had just before the show today, uh, where you said you hadn't seen Goodwill Hunting. No, I hadn't seen all of Goodwill. So that was from Goodwill Hunting. Yep. Okay. I thought the how do you like them apples could tie into the ashes a little bit as well, retaining them. <laughs> yes. Well, you haven't seen Ferris Bueller's day off either. So that's a conversation perhaps we'll get stuck into tomorrow. Uh, yeah, we'll do that because we're 90 seconds away from going off air and you decided to pull that out now. Uh, look, if you are heading to a game this week, whether it is the Matildas, perhaps it is down the coast with the Titans and the Cowboys, or the Gabba, Broncos and Roosters, if you drink and drive, the consequences are in your hands. Drinking never drive. That's all thanks to uh, Street Smart as well. Uh, look, thank you for your uh, contributions to the show today. The texts were blowing up deluxe. Um, our poll is staying open too when it comes to who is the Broncos' best ever recruit? Is it Adam Reynolds? Or does he need to win a premiership first to make that title or to get into that conversation? A lot of overwhelming support for the brick with eyes, Glenn Lazarus. Um, we can have to do something with Lazo on the show because I know we were speaking about him as the possible next immortal to the 14th immortal. He ticks a lot of boxes, doesn't he? Uh, as I said, big, big program today. Thank you. Uh, Mal Meninga, actually, speaking of immortals, yes, the 13th immortal, joining us tomorrow from 10 o'clock. Uh, we will be talking Ashes, Swimming and Matildas as well. Cannot wait for that. Thank you for your company over the last three hours. If you missed anything, download the podcast, Spotify or iTunes. Otherwise, I'll catch you tomorrow right here on SCNQ from 9am.